You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 75 of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlinski. As always, I am joined by Nick Horwat, and we're both sporting new setups this week. Damn right. So how are you doing, buddy, and what's been going on with you the last couple of days? I've been watching the 10th season of Shameless because it finally made it to Netflix. Um, I it's currently get to that. It's currently paused in the other room, actually, so... Um, that's what I've been doing the last two days, and that's about it. I was supposed to go play deck hockey today with guys we played deck hockey with on the team, but it rained. So, one thing that made me think of it is, do you remember our uh, 2020 hockey New Year's resolutions? Our, no, I do not remember our New Year's resolutions. I vaguely remember them, and the one, the only one I remember is me saying I want to play more hockey. Well... That thank, didn't really go too well, did it? Thank you, coronavirus. I was about to say COVID had something to say about that. Yeah, I haven't gotten to watching the newest season of Shameless yet. It is in my queue, but there's so many shows that I've been watching. And now that I'm back to work, it's harder to get through them. Yep. I'm going to finish. <laughs> that it was about two months ago. Yeah, it I'm was gonna, a lot easier to fly through. Going to be finishing Shameless than starting The Last Dance, finally. I watched the first couple episodes of that. Not, I don't know. I'm just not a basketball guy. I don't know why it didn't interest me. I feel like I got to try again, though, just because everybody says no matter if you like basketball or not, you should watch it. So I'm feeling like I should probably watch it again. It's interesting. I mostly watching it because I can remember Josh Yoey mentioning that when he was watching it, he was kind of thinking a lot about how Michael Jordan and Mario Lemieux are very similar in parallels. Like they're the top of their sport, retired early and reasons. I forget his whole reasoning, but it was interesting. So I've been watching it with kind of that mindset as well. I started. I'm also like two episodes in, but shameless. I wanted to get through. But <laughs> we digress. We are a Pittsburgh Penguins podcast. You did mention Mario Lemieux, but the yeah. Pittsburgh Penguins this past week had just a little bit of news as they finally hired. Finally, I say, as it's only been two weeks since they fired their assistant coaches. They hired assistant coaches Todd Reardon and Mike Vellucci. They also extended goalie coach Mike Buckley to a two-year contract extension. So good news for everybody that wanted to see somebody behind the Penguins bench. What did you think of the signings? Todd Reardon's great. I'll start there. I think I think once he was fired from Washington, someone was immediately like, yeah, he should come back to Pittsburgh. He's a great power play coach. Is he doing de- he's doing the defenseman too, right? Like a defensive coach? Yeah, yeah Reardon is going to coach the defenseman and the power play while Vellucci will tackle the forwards and the penalty kill. So... So equals but opposites, I guess. <laughs> we'll go with it. <laughs> they are madmen behind the bench, I guess. So I guess they will all figure it out. Volucci, uh, oh, sorry, let me start with Reardon. Reardon, like I said, great power play coach. He's before we got Kessel, he was back there, and he was the reason why our power play was so stellar even then, or at least coaching it to be that stellar. So that's a good start. Um, having him come back, you know, with what we have is gonna be. You know, it should be fairly solid. As for Volucci, he's going to be a head coach in this league one day. Whether it's here or somewhere else, 
he's got the ability to be a great head coach. So another big hockey mind behind the bench is good. And Jesse Marshall said there's still a chance Matt Cullen might roll in, which I think would be interesting as well. Yeah, we both mentioned whenever we had Jesse Marshall on back a couple episodes ago, go check that out, episode 73 Mm -hmm. of the Tip of the Iceberg about two weeks ago. We all agreed that it'd be great to see Matt Cullen step into some sort of daily role with the Pittsburgh Penguins, and and Jesse still thinks that that could happen again. I I still believe that that would be a good thing for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and it would help them in the long run. Uh, As far as Reardon and Volucci go, I mean, ironically, I'm wearing the the 2014 playoffs buckle-up baby shirt, which, of course, the 2014 playoffs was the last for Todd Reardon as an assistant coach of the Penguins until now. Uh, He was part of that clean house that happened and brought in Jim Rutherford. So now for the first time, Reardon and Rutherford get to work together. Reardon and Sullivan get to work together. And it's really something where Reardon was the assistant coach from 2010 to 2014. You mentioned he worked on the power play. Some of those years, the Penn's power play, especially in 2012, 2013, was extremely potent. So hopefully that's something that can continue whenever he returns next season. Because, as we mentioned several times, the Penguins' power play this past season was abysmal. It was bad. It was awful. And it's something that hopefully he comes in and fixes. Let's stop doing drop passes to start. I think that's the first thing that we can change. But uh, as far as Reardon goes, then he went and coached the Washington Capitals, was an assistant coach for three years, including a 2018 Stanley Cup. And then he was the Caps head coach, of course, for the past two seasons, bowing out in the first round in both of those seasons, which we commend him for his efforts helping us out in that sense with the Capitals not being able to pass the first round, but we haven't either. So I guess we can't say much as much as Volucci is concerned. He was the Wilkes-Barre's great and assistant coach last head coach last season, excuse me. And now he will be, like I said earlier, manning the forwards and the penalty kill. So overall, I do like these signings. I think I like the signing of Mike Buckley to a two year extension just as much, if not more than signing Todd Reardon, because Volucci, or wow, I can't speak today, but on the Buckley ball, is somebody who helped out both Murray when he first came up into the league. He's a really close with Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith. So it's going to be something that I think is going to very much help to have this guy settled into a contract and ready to go for the next three seasons now. Yeah, I mean, Michael Buckley, I, I think we figured that was going to happen whenever he wasn't part of the axing earlier. Yeah, like the only pl- yeah. the only coach that wasn't axed besides Mike Sullivan. Yeah, so I think that was kind of the assumption of, well, I guess he's going to get reinstated or something because he survived the firing squad. So, yeah, him sticking around, he's going to help our goalies. We should be getting a, not a new one, but one should be leaving. And, you know, you said he's he's you know close with the Smith and has helped train him along the way, so that's always a good help. And had a little bit of experience here has seen kind of what this system is about and that's one thing that's great about Volucci coming up too is that he knows the system already knows what we're working with knows a lot of the team too you'd have to figure so yeah it's a good move for all three of them there's still space for one more guy Matt Cullen might be the one to step up into that or who knows I think Jesse Marshall said we're not probably not going to see a head coach type file in there you know like what philadelphia didn't just hire every hire every head coach that's on the market so no one else can have them and then play with that so going forward i think we're fine with what we have adding one more small name wouldn't wouldn't hurt at all just as long as everything clicks and the system works correctly it's um, great moves all around 
Yeah, and especially if you look at what Todd Reardon was able to do, especially in Washington when he coached Brooks Orpik there at the tail end of his career, he did a very good job of making Brooks Orpik effective. So hopefully he can come in and work his same kind of magic with Jack Johnson. But again, fingers crossed on that front. Uh, what we're going to do here for the rest of the show, at least the bulk majority of the rest of the show, the next couple weeks we're going to get into every currently signed player on the Pittsburgh Penguins, starting this week with the forwards. We're just going to go through them, talk a little bit about them, what we expect for next season as of right now, and kind of just a closing the chapter to begin it on last season and how they played. So we'll dive into the defensemen next week and, of course, finish it off with the goaltenders on episode 77. But as of right now, let's start off with the top six. And you can't start off with anybody other than Jason Zucker. So we're going to start with Jason Zucker. He was acquired in February from the Minnesota Wild in that trade, the first of the two big trades that Jim Rutherford has made in 2020. In the regular season, he played 15 games, noshed six goals and 12 points for a good start to his career as a Penguin. Going into the playoffs, he scored two more goals, and he has three years and $5.5 million left on his current contract. So what did you think about Jason Zucker and the way he performed since coming over from Minnesota? I cannot wait to watch him play here for another three years. That's step one. Cannot wait to watch him for another three years. Uh, he played great no matter who you put him with because we saw him play pretty, you know, fairly well. He was on the second line in the, in the play-in round, correct? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he played with Malkin and Rust. He looked like one of the only guys who gave a shit. So he's going to be a great piece going forward for the next three years no matter where he's playing, first or second line. Beyond that, even, it's I think he'd be a good spot on the – you know, second, most, or first power play unit. We know he can shoot the puck pretty well. I'm not saying he's going to be quarterbacking a first unit, but he's got the ability to be another weapon on there. And when it comes to, you know, five-on-five five play, like I said, he's able to connect with anyone. He's able to play with anyone. He played phenomenally with Crosby and seemed to not carry, but be a huge piece of that second line in the playing round. So even if it did turn up to a loss, who cares? He played great. He, like I said, he looked like the, one of the only ones who gave a shit. And just, you know, I'm expecting great things from him. A lot of people are expecting great things from him. Um, and the next three years is going to be fun, starting next year especially. Give it, let's. Next year is going to be the experiment, not the experiment year, but the prove it. Like, really show us that you are worth keeping around. I mean, I know he's got a modified no trade clause and all, but there's always, like, that prove it time. You come in hot, that's great, that's going to happen, but you got to hold on to it. I expect him to do that as well, so. Uh, watching him play is going to be fun. A big thing with him this year is sample size. You mentioned it. Next year is prove it for a reason. He only played 15 games in the regular season. Then he only played four in the playoffs or play-ins or whatever you have to call it. So it's going to be an interesting thing to see what he can do in a full year with the Pittsburgh Penguins. I do expect him to stay in the top six. But if things don't work out, I can see him as one of the options to drop down to that third line as well. As much as I don't want to see it, I think he will excel in the top six and he'll play much, much better in the top six than he would if he was delegated to that third line. But at the same time, you have to look at it as something that I think was an issue with Mike Sullivan this year is he didn't really have the opportunity, especially in that play-in series, to move the lineup as much as he wanted because he didn't have guys that he could really drop down to the third line to see effective minutes or he could instill on that top line and or top six to really make an effective change. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Jason Zucker. And I do think he played extremely well when he came over, but next season, 82 games, hopefully 
depending on COVID, I think he should be primed to put up at least 20 goals. Yeah, absolutely. Is that fair to say? Like, is it fair to imagine that he could be a 20-goal scorer on this team? If I said Jake Cancel couldn't be a 50-goal scorer, I think I could say Jason <laughs> Zucker's going to be a 20-goal scorer, okay? <laughs> you still riding that horse, by the way, with Jake Gensel, 50-goal scorer? Not until there's a full season. Not until there's a full season happening. Well, let's just jump into that. Jake Gensel's the next guy we'll talk about. Sure. You, you, of course, last season said he'd be a 50-goal scorer. He ended up only being a 20-goal scorer, <laughs> but he also only played 39 games last season. Yeah, he ended up and getting he very hurt. he notched 43 total points. Uh, extremely hurt, yeah. The first time he's actually been hurt in his career, we saw him come back from that in the playoffs to score one goal and two assists. But as you mentioned, who knows if he was 100% and or up to speed, up to speed at that point yeah. because he took four months off after also thinking about the three and a half months off that he had from his injury where the rest of the team was playing. So he has a lot of time to recover here. Yeah, he's got a lot more time to recover. I'm not going to expect him to be – he's going to be 100%. We know he's going to be at full health because that's what off-seasons and this breaks do. But it's like I said, it's getting up to speed. I think that's where the input's going to be. I give him – three or four games before you really can expect him to pop off. I'm not saying he's going to score a hat trick in the, in game one, but he'll be back to speed fairly quickly, depending on what the preseason looks like as well. So, so who knows what the NHL plans to do with preseason stuff, bringing all that into effect. He should be up to game speed fairly quickly rather than just losing out in the preliminary rounds. Yeah, there's people like Jason Zucker that were brought in to be top six guys, and then there were people like Jake Gensel who are there to be the next thing for the Pittsburgh Penguins. No, he's not the next Sidney Crosby. No, he's not the next Evgeny Malkin. But he's probably the next leader on this team. Yeah, I have next to those guys. I have this right? written in my notes. Is he the future of this team? Like, is he? Like, I was looking at a lot of cap friendly stuff today, and he's 25 right now, which I okay, he's a little bit older than I was expecting. I don't know why. By like a year but who cares um and his contract runs until he's about 29 30 all right that's whenever you start re reaching your point of okay what's the last half of your career gonna do is it gonna be like Crosby and Malkin where they're able to ride this you know phenomenal play for the next 10 years eight plus or is it gonna be like you're gonna hit that 30 and it's just a fall off because we've seen players do that too 30 is a very iffy time so we'll have to watch it play out is he the future of the team He's definitely the near future, I would say. As for, you know, past his age of 30, his play will determine that. You know, is he declining? Is he still, you know, climbing? It's all going to depend, and none of us can see into the future, so it's just all predictions. But for now, I think the, his contract ending where it is is a very good thing for the team, I'd say. I think the biggest thing for a player like Jason Zucker to get to 20 goals is, is there going to be enough goals to go around? Now, Sidney Crosby... Probably not going to be a 30-goal scorer because of the wingers that he's going to have. So I can see Jake Gensel more than likely over 30 goals pushing that 40-goal mark. More than I can even see Jason Zucker getting to the 20-goal mark, even though I think that's... I feel like that's probably going to be a given, to be completely honest. I think Zucker will get the 20. Mm -hmm. I think Gensel will get the 30. And those two are going to be your higher-scoring wingers, which unfortunately means there's going to be somebody that takes a hit especially on that second line with Evgeny Malkin, and that's going to be Brian Rust. I think his numbers drop a little bit, but looking at this year, he had a career year in 2019-20, including an injury 
that held him out the beginning of the season. He still put up a career year with only 55 games played, and he's finished with 56 points, so over a point per game this year for the first time in his career. Hell of a season for Brian Rust. You mentioned it last week. He probably could have garnered some votes for the team MVP slot other than Evgeny Malkin. I mean, I completely agree with you. Going into the playoffs, he puts up one goal, notches two assists with it, and he still has two years left on that deal that he signed a couple years ago at $3.5 million. So probably one of the best bargain players the Penguins have, at least bargain contracts that the Pittsburgh Penguins have right now. If you've got a guy that's putting up a point per game and only making 3.5 against the cap, that's what you're going to need, especially if the cap is staying at 81.5, which is where it's going to be. Yeah. Brian Russ had a great season, but he's really got to continue that, you know, that course. He falls off. Now you're really looking at, are we renewing this contract? Are we trading him? What are we doing? Because you can't let him sink to the rock bottom before you're like, well, now we have to shit can him somehow. You really have to hope he is able to keep progressing the way he has. And I think he can. I'm not going to say it's, you know, for certain that he can. We've seen him, you know, go through some bad droughts. It took him until, you know, last, the the 18-19 season, took until that Chicago game to have a great game. That was a late in the season. So we've seen him go through bad droughts. It's just a matter of he had this phenomenal season, career year. Now you got to keep on the path. It's up to him to do it, and I think he can. Playing alongside Malkin, like we, we've struck magic almost. You just have to hope that last season wasn't a fluke and that he's able to continue his abil- scoring ability. And I mentioned he's going to take a hit, which means I don't think he ends up being a 30-goal scorer next year. Yeah. You can only have so many of those, and I already mentioned Gensel's going to be 30. I think Zucker is going to be in the 20s. I think Russ finished probably just below that. And of course, there's a lot of time to go before the season starts. And we'll give our predictions and stuff when the season rolls around, whether that is in early December, hopefully, if not early January. And if we even know if it's going to be a full 82, if they have to shorten it somehow. There's a lot of factors that go into predicting numbers for next season that we do not know yet. So, But I do believe that there is something to Brian Rust. I don't think this was a fluke season for him. If you look at the way that he plays, he plays a lot bigger than he is, and that's something that can be said for a lot of the Penguins' wingers in the top six, which is why I like Jason Zucker a lot more than, say, a Connor Sherry, who we're not really going to dive into because he's unsigned as of right now, because Zucker, I think, is a lot harder on the puck. And I like the way that he goes into the dirty areas, gets shit done, where I don't think somebody like Connor Sherry or even... Jake Gensel finds a way to get in there sometimes, but sometimes he gets knocked off the puck easily too. I think Gensel needs to bulk up a little bit more, but if he doesn't, that's why I think you need somebody on that first line, like say a Kasperi Kapanen, who has shown a little bit more sandpaper finish, a little bit more grit, a little bit more nastiness than a Jake Gensel has. And Kapanen by no means is a goon which if there even is a thing as goons in the NHL anymore. But Kasperi Kapanen does bring a little bit more of that sandpaper finish. Let's get into him. Uh, Right winger, newly acquired by the Pittsburgh Penguins just a couple weeks ago from Toronto. Last season he had what he himself claimed as a sophomore slump. Now, he has played in parts of five seasons, but he's only had two full NHL seasons. So I can see what he means by that. Of course, two years ago, scoring upwards of 20 goals. And last year, of course, regressing down to 13 goals and 36 points. Now he also has two years left 
at 3.2 million. So similar to what Brian Rust has left in the contract department. What are your thoughts on Kasperi Kapanen on whether you think last season was more like him or whether it was a regression after a good first season? And what do you think he's going to be doing this upcoming season for the Pittsburgh Penguins? You said a couple times that like there's only so many goals to go around. Kapanen played in Toronto where there are only so many goals to go around. So him dropping from 20 to 13 isn't a total surprise because, you know, there are only so many goals to go around. As even on a team like that where you want everyone to be scoring 40. And they all should be scoring 40, but they're not because they're the Leafs. I digress. As for Kapanen being in the top six, I'm going to start with, I don't think it'll last long by way of, I just, I don't see it lasting long and just, I don't know why. I just don't see it. I don't, I have no real explanation other than he'll start there because that's what Rutherford said. And it's probably what Sullivan agrees with. So he'll start somewhere with Crosby or Malkin. And I just think we're going to realize quickly that it's not going to work immediately. Either it's just not going to work or there's going to be some kind of drought in there. And he'll drop to a third where he probably should be for now. If he wants to, you know, continue. He plays like a small Hornquist almost. Just not as much net front presence. He's a bit of a prick and has a sneaky scoring touch. <laughs> so... That's probably where he's going to fit best for now is because Malkin and Crosby playing for Horn, playing with Hornquist for years. They might want someone like him up there rather than Kapanen, who they'd have to you know get used to and practice with a little more. It's a bit more of a veteran presence that's going to put Hornquist over Kapanen in this situation. But as for Kapanen being in the top six right now, screw it. If he's able to go back to 20-goal form, I'm about it. It's all good with me because he is a fast skater and is able to be a little prick, and that's kind of what you want hanging around your team. Piss off the other guys and show them up. Get those goals that piss them off. Those ones are the most fun goals to score. <laughs> I mentioned it last week, and I think you're leading to the same thing. He is an upgraded version of Carl Hagelin. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah. He's good on the penalty kill. He's been playing yeah, on the penalty yeah, yeah. kill for the past two seasons for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and a lot of the speculation and a lot of the crap that's been given to Sperry captain since he got traded to the penguins was his defensive numbers are absolutely awful but at the same time find me somebody on toronto whose defensive numbers weren't absolutely awful and i'll be surprised and i'm sure if jay fresh is listening to this he'll probably throw it back in my face in like 0.3 seconds but at the same time i feel like the pittsburgh penguins especially with a better decor than toronto has at the current moment will help him get a little bit closer back to the mean. And I don't think a lot of his numbers were on him, but as much as who he was playing with. And also you look at that team in Toronto. Yeah, his goal numbers went down, but he's a right winger. You know who else is a right winger in Toronto? Matthew Mitch Marner, Marner. And William Nylander. And while, yes, I do like Kasperi Kapanen, and I think he's a top six player on this team, okay. I don't think he's better than either of those two guys. So I can understand why they would have him on their third line. For the Pittsburgh Penguins, though, I don't think he goes on the third line. Would it be nice to have a player the caliber of Kasperi Kapanen on the third line? Yes, it would. But right now, I don't see anybody else that can play with Crosby Malkin. We'll jump into Patrick Hornfist in mm -hmm. a little bit. But I believe that the only player to go on that right side other than Jason Zucker is, or sorry, other than Brian Rust, who's on the right side of Evgeny Malkin, is going to be Kasperi Kapanen. That's fair. I, th I mean, he is going to start there. I did mention that. He is probably going to start on that line. As for how long it stays, that only time will tell. 
We know how picky Malkin can be with his line mates, man. He, he, he is a little bit different when it comes to who he wants on his line. But at the same time, who knows? Maybe in his old age, he's mellowed out. Let's talk about Evgeny Malkin, the assistant captain for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Two years left on his current deal at a whopping $9.5 million, the highest cap hit on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Of course, he was the team MVP last season, as we mentioned in last week's episode. He also dealt with an early season injury that kept him out for the first 17 to 18 games of the season. And then he had elbow surgery two weeks ago. So a clean bill of health is something that we're really wishing for with Evgeny Malkin this season. But even with all of those injuries that he faced, in 55 games, he had 25 goals and 74 points. He did only notch one assist in the playoffs, which is a big point of contention for Penn's Twitter, Penn's writers, and everything in between. So what do you think about Evgeny Malkin's season last year, considering all of the injuries that he faced, yet still putting up way over a point per game? And then, of course, the playoff performance. And then what do you think is going to happen this upcoming season with him? Listen, no one played well in the playoffs. So I'm going to kind of keep Fair. I'm going to keep that out of my assessment of Evgeny Malkin because he played like the team MVP that he was. And I'm going to start stem this back from the preseason whenever he promised he was going to have a better season. He said, I need to do better, and I'm going to do better. And then he did it. So, as for Malkin, I, the only note I wrote for him is that he's an all-time great. That's my only note for him because he had a great year, had an MVP, team MVP style year, that he said, I need to do better. I'm not pleased with how I've been playing. I bet you he's still very, you know, very unpleased and wants to do better even more, or even better, I should say. And I think he can do it. Like I said, he's cooled his temper. I mentioned this last week. He's cooled his temper down. He has not been taking as many penalties. And I expect that to continue into his old age. The questions might start flying. Is he going to stay here for the rest of his career? We don't know yet, but we're not here to discuss that. Because next season is just next season. We know what he's capable of. We know what he can be. Is he slowing down a step? I mean, I probably. I never really saw Gino as all that quick. He's more of like a push right through you kind of guy rather than a get around you and be fast so is he slowing a step sure i never you know i don't really think he ever had a whole step though so him losing a step isn't as bad as you know a guy like crosby going a step back speed wise because you know crosby has his speed to get around guys while malkin will push right through you so the only thing where i'm gonna be watching for malkin this year is his elbow i guess Yeah, we'll see what happens when he winds up for a slap shot because that is the big point of contention right now with the type of injury that he is currently still sustaining, apparently. But hopefully it's good enough to push him to another 75-plus point season. I can fully see that happening. As long as a clean bill of health, like I said, is the biggest thing for him and for Crosby, who we'll get to in just a second. But Evgeny Malkin, to be completely honest, is probably the most dynamic player between him and Crosby at this stage of his career. Sidney Crosby is more methodical, Mm -hmm. whereas Evgeny Malkin, like you said, he's going to run right through you. It's size and strength with Evgeny Malkin, whereas it's finesse and smarts and skill with Sidney Crosby. So it's nice that those two can really bring a one-two punch that kind of offsets each other when going into opposing defenses where they don't know what to expect and they have to adjust to who they're playing. I think Malkin will have a good season next year again. Clean bill of health. How is his elbow holding up? 
How is everything holding up? I mean, the man's 34 years old. He's getting to the point where it is the latter part of his career. He has two years left on his current deal. After that, who knows what's going to happen? Is he going to re-sign another deal with the Penguins? Is he going to go to the KHL? Is he going to quit hockey altogether? Nobody knows with Evgeny Malkin. Nobody's going to know. So if somebody says that they know what Malkin's going to do, they're flat out lying. Like nobody knows what this man is going to do because he's going to do whatever the hell he wants to do at that given time. He's not going to lock himself into something two years in advance. So with Evgeny Malkin for next season, I know that he's going to be stapled to Brian Rust, or I should say vice versa, Brian Rust will be stapled to Evgeny Malkin. I do believe that they'll probably have Jason Zucker on that line as well on the left side, just because of the way that it played in the playoffs. And while, yes, Malkin only had an assist, but Zucker played well. Very. Rust played pretty well. Yeah. And I think as well as you can expect, considering nobody else, like nobody really played good, but they played well. They played okay. So we had one great game and one good half. So yeah, and then game four, which we don't need to speak of ever again. But let's finish off the first half of this segment with Sidney Crosby. Of course, he had core muscle surgery mid-season, his first in-season surgery, and then last week it came out that he had wrist surgery, so he'll be missing three to four weeks, just as much as Evgeny Malkin was going to be out three to four weeks for recovery for his elbow surgery. So both. Malkin and Crosby have off-season surgery this year. Does that worry you at all? No. No? Moving on. Next. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Crosby, in the games that he played, again, over a point per game because it's automatic at this point. 41 games played, 47 points. His goals were down a little bit at 16, but again, only played in 41 games, and he's never really been known for scoring heapings and heapings of goals anyway. And even in the playoffs, two goals and an assist. Not awful considering the fact that nobody really did anything in the playoffs. We were shut out in game four, so there was only goals in three of those games. Right. I mean, you mentioned Crosby not being known as too much of a goal scorer. I mean, genuinely, I'm trying to count in my head quickly, and I can't. How many times has he honestly scored over 30 goals in his whole career? It actually kind of looks like a decent amount. I take it back. But... (laughs) sneakily because he also puts up usually like 70 and or 75 always, assists he's always had more assists i think so that being said you know he is an assist man he is a playmaker he's not too much of a sniper he doesn't he scores goals yes he scores important big goals too it's not just you know the empty netters at the end of the game but he's still a huge goal scorer an important one at that and but he's a playmaker first and that's and if he's able to set up guys like gensel or whoever he ends up playing with <laughs> Dominic Simone, maybe. Essentially, we'll call him, you know, right wing. That's the open man there. Left or Gensel's a left wing. Yeah, yeah. So as long as Crosby can still set up Gensel or RW one, we're fine. Because it's you know going to come down to that. Is Crosby's goal scoring ability going to drop a little because of a wrist surgery? Maybe. It's not the first time it's happened. Apparently, there's always something going on. But that's fine as long as he's able to still read the plays read the ice, and dish the puck out, I think we're okay. Because we know he's going to be the 1C forever. And, yeah, that's all I got. I had my only other note I had for him, too, is the same I had for Malkin. All-time great. <laughs> Screw it. We have two all-time greats on our lineup right now. Yeah, and that's why the window is most definitely open as of right now. And Crosby has five years remaining on his contract. Still one of the most 
I guess the one of the longest contracts still on the Penguins books at of course eight point seven million dollars a year because yep. what else would he be making at this point? I think he wants to change his birthday after that poor performance. I think this, he's probably not going to like his birthday from here on out. Knowing how superstitious Sid is, he probably will not want <laughs> to celebrate it ever again. He's double and triple checking how close to midnight he was actually born. <laughs> Either way, is he, are we going to be seeing a Crosby under an 88 or an 86 next year? No, let's not do that. <laughs> I'd have nothing else to say besides let's just not even joke about that. But I mean, Sidney Crosby, still one of the best players in the NHL. I don't think he's the best player in the NHL right now. He's no, definitely it's not the McKinnon. most skilled. <laughs> I was going to say it's between McKinnon and McDavid. I feel like if McDavid wasn't as blinding fast as he was, it wouldn't be as big of a deal. Because McKinnon, I feel like he's almost as fast, but you just can't tell because it's so choppy with the pistons that he's running around in. I mean, it's also the fact that we're seeing McKinnon continue to play. We're only getting a regular season of McDavid, and that's all we're seeing. Which is a shame. Like, as much as people hate the Oilers because of all the first-round picks they got, and they still can't put anything together other than the one season where they went to the second round, it does suck to not get to see a player the caliber of Connor McDavid make a deep playoff run. But that's not my problem. (laughs) Nope. My problem is the Pittsburgh Penguins in the past two seasons. And realistically, that's not even my problem either. It's just the one that I have to talk about. So as far as the Pittsburgh Penguins are concerned, we just ran down all the top six forwards that are probably going to be the top six. Opening night roster for sure, yeah. You say opening night. I think it's going to be the bulk of the season next year. But we'll go on to the bottom six where we really only have five guys to talk about because that's all they have signed at this point. But before we do that, let's hear a word from our friends at Manscaped. This episode of the Tip of the Iceberg is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? I may not be a contractor, but even I know that if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. This is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, featuring advanced skin-safe technology to keep your soldier polished and cut free. If you're like me and like to handle this kind of business in the shower, the Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof and features an LED light, so even guys as blind as I am can see what they're doing. If you are listening to me, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and you too can experience it firsthand. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THPN at manscaped.com. Again, that's code THPN for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Trust me, your balls will thank you. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere, we're continuing to talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins forwards, at least the ones that are currently signed by the Pittsburgh Penguins organization. We talked about the top six at the top of the show. Let's get into the bottom six right now. Somebody that came up when we were discussing the top six was Patrick Hornfist. Horwat, do you really believe Patrick Hornfist still has what it takes to be a top six player in this league so i know what i said 
But no, I genuinely don't think he can, per se. He has the ability to, I just don't think he should. Because he's getting older and he's because he's ran some hard, hard miles. He's had five concussions, right? Is that the number? Reportedly, <gasps> at least. Who, yeah. who knows how many concussions he's actually had, but reportedly he's had five. Yeah, so he's running on hard miles and he's getting older. I said that he'd be pushed up to the top six to play with Crosby or Malkin because those two are familiar with him. And they'd want to be around guys they're familiar with right now at least, rather than this young captain who they're bringing in for the time being. Because like I said, is Hornquist going to stay in the top six if he gets pushed up there? No, because he shouldn't be. He's getting older, and he should be in the bottom bottom six, being the larger Kasperi Kapanen and just being the prick. The larger Kasperi Kapanen? Watch, I'm going to find out Cap. He's like 6'7". Like... Wow, geez, six, seven. Yeah, if that's the case, he should be in the NBA, not in the NHL. Right, but I mean, like I said, Hornquist should be in the should be in the bottom six, and I expect him to be because, you know, he's a slower player for sure, but he's definitely not a fourth line guy. You know, like he still has a little bit of touch left in him. To, I mean, if we're gonna keep putting him on the first damn power play unit, I expect him to not be in the bottom. You know, on the bottom line. Yeah, as far as Hornfist is concerned, last offseason, I said most of the offseason that the Penguins should trade Patrick Hornfist because as, as good as I talked about earlier with Brian Rust and his contract, Patrick Hornfist making $5.3 million a year is not what you want to see on the books. He, was he worth it in 2015, 16, 17? Yes. Was he worth it in 2018? No, he had an awful season in 2018. This past season... A little bit better. While his actual numbers did regress, he also played much less games this season. Only in 52 games played, which he was fairly healthy considering how healthy he had been the previous seasons. But he only notched 17 goals, 32 points, added a goal and an assist in the playoffs. I like him as a person. I like him as a leader in the locker room. I don't necessarily like him for this team anymore, especially with the amount of times... Jim Rutherford in the past three weeks has said, I want to get younger and I want to get faster. Those are two things that can no longer be used to describe Patrick Hornfist. I don't think faster was ever one of them. Yeah, no, he was, he was never really the fastest person. But at the same time, you look at a guy like Patrick Hornfist, you say you think that he might be put into the top six with Sidney Crosby at some possible at point. At some possible point. Yeah, and I know what you mean about, yes, you want to surround these guys with players that they know, with players that they know the tendencies, and players that know their tendencies as well. But here's the thing. We've tried that, and it hasn't gotten us anywhere the past two years. We whole ass brought Connor Sherry back just to play with Sidney Crosby. Dumb. That was a failure. Let's not shy away from putting a guy like Kasperi Kapanen in the top six, just to make sure Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin have somebody that they're familiar with. I think that's the problem. You can cater to star star yeah. players to a certain extent, but when it comes to lineup decisions, they really shouldn't have that big of a hand in it. And in this case, no, Patrick Hornfish shouldn't be a top six player. No, I don't think that he's going to get traded away, mainly because the cap is really tough right now. 
and nobody's going to want to take a Patrick Hornfist deal, I feel, at $5.3 and what the Penguins are going to get back is not going to be worth sending him out. But I do think he's going to be dangled out there for Seattle next year. Yeah, And I, I mean, do think the Penguins would pay a price. I don't know what the price would be, but, I mean, you paid a second rounder for them to take Flurry. You're probably paying them something to take Patrick Hornfist and his contract off of your books. Uh, you're paying something for them to take Jack Johnson off the books. Hornquist also has a no trade clause, and it's a matter of he of him waving it or not that you that we make the move for him like you're trying to do. So it goes into modified after this season, though. It's full this season. It goes into modified after this next after season. the twenty 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 one season. Yes, yes. But yeah, no, I get that too. So there is still modifications. You know, he could still be moved, but it's just it's still harder to do and. You know, he's going to be old making, you know, his 5.3 against the cap. So you got to find a taker. If it's Seattle, that'd be interesting. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I don't think he'll be in the top six. And if he is, it won't be for long. It'll just depend on how Kapanen plays. Because I think those two are going to be interchangeable. Interchangeable, interchangeable is a big word. Yeah, it's gonna be a tough I could season. Even say they're interchangeable. I mean, maybe you can put Hornfist up there if something is really not working. Yeah, but even if it's not working with Kapanen up there, I feel like there's other options that they'll go to before they go to Patrick Hornfist. We'll have to see. I guess. I mean, hell, it's a good thing I'm not running the damn team. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on to the next guy. Somebody who who could be the Penguins' third-line center. He is under contract, and a lot of people are forgetting that he's under contract. Yeah, That's Nick Bugstad. He was brought over to be the third-line center, and he really hasn't played all that many games, so we can't really tell. So it's in sample size. Last year, he had a lot of trouble with a core muscle injury, the same injury that Sidney Crosby had. And, of course, he followed that up just prior to the return to play with back surgery. Last season, he only played in 13 games, had one goal, Two points, of course, like I mentioned, had back surgery before the return to play, so he did not participate in playoffs. He's on the last year of his contract, and he's making $4.1 million. What do you think the Penguins do with Bugstad? We haven't really had a chance to talk about him at length. Do you think they try to explore a trade in this offseason? I know general manager Jim Rutherford is busy on the BlackBerry that he has right now, but do you think that he really gets a chance and or attempts to trade somebody like Nick Bukestad. Uh, I, I wrote down, aren't we just trading him? It's going to be hard to trade him because he's been so injured you know, these past couple years, and he is worth more than $3 million. I mean, the organization and the players love him, first of all. So if he's healthy and good to go, he's probably going to be in the lineup if we don't find a deal for him. Because we've heard no bad things about him. We've seen some of his play definitely not a lot but as for him being in the lineup it's just all going to depend on is he healthy and, and if Jim Rutherford doesn't find a taker I would assume we're looking to move him out for cap relief and to maybe bring in something I don't know what we could get in return for him though that's the only thing about trading him out I'd like to see him play and succeed. I really would, because he seems like he could be a actually stout third-line center for us. Really went without one this year, it seems. Obviously, the McCann project didn't work. Bluger's not going to move up into that spot yet. And we haven't really 
had anyone else to fill in that position. So I would like to see him play and succeed. It's just a matter of what's going to happen. Like I said, I just don't know if we're able to get a return for him right now. When I think of Nick Bugstad, especially thinking last season, the only memory that comes to mind is his return game against the Buffalo Sabres in, I believe it was February, and he scored that goal in the first couple of minutes. And I thought, wow, okay, this is the Nick Bugstad we wanted to see. He's engaged, he's getting to the net, he's using his big frame, he's boxing out, and he had finished. And I was like, awesome, that'll be great to have going out the rest of the season. Of course, a couple games later, gets injured, doesn't come back, still hasn't played another game. So who knows what he is? He's as much of magic beans as the next draft pick the Penguins have, which is who who knows, probably the 17th round of the 2025 NHL draft. But for Nick Bugstad, he could be the answer for third line center. I'm not going to go as far to say that he isn't. But at the same time, I don't know what he is. And you mentioned does anybody want to take a flyer on Nick Bugstad? And if they do, do you want to get $4.1 million taken off the cap? Yeah, probably for the Pittsburgh Penguins, especially considering they don't want to spend to the cap this season. But if you do that, you're almost certainly not bringing back somebody like Jared McCann. Because I feel like if McCann comes back, it's going to be in that 3C role. But as far as Bugstad's concerned, he does also play a little bit of right wing. If he comes back, he's not going to be playing the wing. If Nick Bugstad remains on this team it's gonna be three especially C. in the last year of his contract he's gonna be the center mm-hmm. that's the only place he should be because that's kind of what we need is like i said the big stout third line defense their third line center that he can be i'm looking at i'm trying to look at his numbers now it's he's played 45 games with us and it sure as hell does not seem like it because 32 of them were in the 18-19 season where he got nine goals in 32 games not bad i think he was i don't remember much about that season but then you roll into this year where he played 13 one and one for two points well and um, how much of that is this injury too like you exactly. don't even know because crosby played with a core muscle surgery and still put up or a core muscle injury and still put up 17 points in 17 games but that's Sidney crosby not to say that nick bugstad isn't an nhl player because he is but at the same time He's dealing with an injury that's kept him out all season. He probably had it before he left to get the surgery. So who knows with Nick Bustad? Well, That's something we're going to have to hurry up and wait. Hurry up to make a decision on him and wait to see how it pans out. So hopefully, if he does get moved, hopefully we bring back something of an asset. Even if it's just a draft pick, I guess that's fine. Because it'd be purely a cap move if you remove him at this point. Yeah, and like I said, we... A cheap third line center is kind of what we need. But if he's able to fill in, sure, I'll take it. Because, you know, he's had success in the in the NHL before. He recorded 24 goals in 14-15. I get that was a long time ago now, but it's something that you know he's able to do. He's able to have a 20-plus goal season, but also be an effective puck mover. He's got, he had 104 assists before coming over in his career. He had 104 with uh, Florida. 30 of them coming in a season he played all 82 games, which is not something we could say we've seen from him. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. But like you mentioned, last season when he played nine goals in 32 games, that's on pace to be a 20-goal scorer once again. So if he can bring that to the table... That's something. 
who's going to complain? And we said, yeah, we can't, no, we can't have too many people at the, the 20 goal mark, but Hey, he could slot in on the third line and be that type of guy who, who knows. So hopefully some news comes out about Nick Bukestad. We really haven't seen much since February when he returned to the lineup and then kind of quietly left the lineup again a couple games later, but we have three guys left. And of course it is I don't even know what we called this line. It was the pseudo fourth line, if you want to call it that. Let's start with Brandon Tanev because he is the one that has the contract that goes just as long as Sidney Crosby. Ooh. Five more years of Brandon Tanev, $3.5 million per year. I believe in year one, he certainly lived up to the contract. Uh, if, do you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For year one, yes. As for going forward, it's going to be every year with him is going to be okay. He's got to live up to the contract again because we signed him for so high, not for so high, but we signed him for so long and it's locked in. It's an issue. If he's able to continue his play from last season, good. We'll come back to that again the next off season because it's going to be a season by season thing with Tanev. It's not going to be a, well, he had a great season last season. He's able to not slack off, but if he digresses a little bit, that's fine. As long as it's not like falling off of a cliff. We can't do that. You know, it's got to be a continuous amount of good. We don't want to see it continue to decline. It's, you know, it's going to be a review after every season with him, essentially, because of the contract and because of how long it is and the fact that he plays hard. He's 28, yeah. By the time he's out of it, I mean, not going to be 28. He'll be in his 30s. And that's when the hard miles start to hit. So if his game is able to progress and stay at a good pace sure it's going to be a great deal you know going into next season i expect it to be relatively the same i don't expect those hard miles to catch up to him quite yet but let's also try not handcuff sullivan and trying to keep this line together separate them because oh i completely agree i think that that would be the stupidest thing ever just to say well this line worked last year so let's work it again next year i mean you see it with everybody just because you have a really productive line in one year, unless you have the Pasternak, Bergeron, Marshawn line, you don't have a line that really warrants keeping together through thick and thin. And exactly. this line was great. I loved it. I think they had a fantastic season. I think they played fairly well in the postseason. They had their struggles. But at the same time, I'd like to see Brandon Tanev move up at the lineup. I know they don't number lines or whatever bullshit that Sullivan wants to spew. But this is technically the fourth line. Yeah. If you're looking at it on a score sheet, this is the fourth line. And I think if you have issues with that third line, Brandon Tanev is definitely a guy that can you can instill in that line that'll speed it up, mm-hmm. that'll promote scoring chances because of his speed and because he is a freaking wrecking ball on the ice when he's out there. If you get some guys that can surround him in a right way, I think you could have a really good third line. And that might be Bukestad. That might be McCann if he gets re-signed. That might be Simone if he's ready to go for the beginning of the regular season. Who knows? Or maybe even Kasperi Kapanen. What I'm saying is Brandon Tanev needs to be a guy that you can move up and down the lineup. You mentioned Kapanen might drop down. Yeah. And Hornfist may be the guy you put there. I put Tanev there over over Patrick Hornfist at this point. Yeah, and I get that too. I mean, like I mentioned, you don't want to handcuff yourself by gluing this line together for a couple reasons. One, because Tanev is that guy who can play on all four lines. We've seen it. He can play on all four. He's got the speed to play with Crosby. He's got a small scoring touch to play with Malkin. And then he's a bottom three, a bottom six guy. We know this. But also it's never it's 
whenever it's time to call guys up and you're gluing that line together, not shoehorning someone else in there, well, now you're forcing this AHL call-up to play on the third line and third line minutes, which is far more than they should be getting. That's kind of where you get handcuffed. You want to have some flexibility, and moving Tanev, Aston Reese, and Bluger around, not saying move them all up and down, but having the ability to stretch one of them at least somewhere else and filling in with a minor leaguer or saying someone needs time off, Hornquist, back down there. It's That's a flexibility zone. You can't glue your fourth line together. If it's playing well, yeah, you can do that. But when it's time to move it, it's time to move it. You can't keep it stuck. So Tanev's the guy that's going to be moved up and down. At least he has to be. I mentioned that you know it's going to be a review after every season. Let's start you know this next season with a fresh page. Start him on a second line, maybe. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't think he gets. I don't think he go that far. But at no. the same time, second just slipped him, out of like my I mouth said, at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The second, the second it left your mouth, you were like, and I can't bring that back. And I'm not editing it out either. So That's fine. That. But move, <laughs> move him up. Move him. Just you know, he can't be stuck on stuck with those guys. If you want to put them together for a penalty kill. Maybe a bad idea, considering that's one defenseman. If you want to put two of them together for a penalty kill, screw it. That's a great idea because they're all skilled defensive players. But when it comes to five-on-five play, you want to kind of have a bit of a scoring touch somewhere. Yeah, and as far as the other two on that line go, I don't think either of them can really move up and down the lineup all that much. Let's start with Zach Aston Reese, and we'll finish the segment with Teddy Bluger. Zach Aston Reese... Had a really good regular season. Yeah. Underrated regular season, as a lot of analytics, the analytics community pointed out. But that playoff was, we mentioned nobody really played great. Some people played well. Some people had good performances. Zach Aston Reese played pretty awful. And whether any of that has to do with his shoulder surgery, that he will be missing at least the beginning of the regular season next year with or not he did not have a really good playoffs at all he had a bad playoffs to be completely honest i don't know why i even said really good to describe him at all and 57 games played in the regular season he did only score six goals he did only notch 13 points that's fourth liner stats yep. right there i mean if you're trying to look at stats for each position that is a fourth line wing stat right there he has one year left on his contract at $1 million, so pretty decent value for a guy that is usually pretty good analytics-wise and pretty good with his possession and a good fourth liner. That's what that's what he is. He's a good blue-chip fourth liner. He is an NHLer. He, I don't think there's any way that he should go back to the AHL unless it's a rehab stint coming back from his shoulder, shoulder surgery. And if he can recoup and if he can recover from this surgery – I think that's where he's going to be found again. He's going to be on the fourth line, on the wing of Teddy Bluger, and whether it's Brandon Tanev, whether it's Sam Lafferty if he gets brought back, whether it's somebody else like an Anthony Angelo or somebody along those lines, he's going to be on the fourth line. And he's going to be somebody that is not going to score goals. Uh, We've said a couple of players could be 20 goal scorers next year. I'll be surprised if he reaches 10 in his career. Uh, it'll take a whole lot for Zach Aston Reese to do that. But at the same time, I don't hate the kid. I think he's a really productive player when it comes to fourth line minutes and fourth line role. 
And I think he's also helped out by the fact that he has one of the top fourth line centers in the NHL, or at least somebody that will be one of the top fourth line centers in the NHL. And that's Teddy Bluger, who is coming off of his first full NHL season, which I completely forgot about. I feel like he's been on the team for a little bit longer than that, but this was his first full NHL season and he solidified himself in the fourth line center role, had nine goals, notched 22 points. We saw that he has a scoring touch. He played in a very nice amount of games at 69 <laughs> and realistically he had a good season. I have nothing other than that to say about Teddy Bluger. I think he's going to follow it up with another solid season next year. And I think he's going to be the fourth line center for at least the next year. He has one year left on his contract at league minimum, $750,000. Yeah, he's probably going to command a little bit of an uptick in salary. But at that, it might be one and a half at, yeah. at most, maybe two. So I think Teddy Bluger is somebody that Rutherford likes. I think the whole organization likes. And he's somebody that you're probably going to see with the Pittsburgh Penguins for a long time. Absolutely. I mean... I was going to jump back to Zach Aston Reese for a moment. I think we all expected something different from Aston Reese when he got here because in his first eight games, he had four goals like that. You know, he had two goals in the fir- in after collecting his first career goal, his fifth game, but he scored twice. You know, and then he goes on scoring in back to back games. So I think we saw him come in with this little scoring touch in the, you know, at the beginning of his NHL career, and we're thinking. Okay, going into the playoffs, we have a depth scorer now. We have a someone on the third and fourth line who is, you know, knocking in pucks one way or the other. Granted, he got his shit rocked by Tom Wilson, but that's neither here nor there. I think we were expecting something different from him. Then he has last season, where I don't really know what he did last year. I mean, he was kind of just there last season, it seemed. But then it's this season where it's, oh, well, now we see he's a defensively minded player. Okay, when did that happen? Because <laughs> all it just this kind of seemed to come out of nowhere, for a lot of us at least. So he's an odd player to try and pin down exactly what he's able to do. But I think now that we've seen him as one of the top defensive forwards in the league, that's what we're expecting from him. Is that what we need? Sure, it works. But we need to someone to score somewhere because Tanov is a good scorer, but he's not you know a great scorer. Bluger, like you mentioned, has a small scoring touch, but it's sheltered because he's on a fourth line for right now. I think it's nice to have someone who's got a small scoring ability on every line because you need goals to win, right? Yeah, that that's pretty much how you plan it out if you're a coach. Exactly. But um, Aston Reese, I mean, I'm not saying trade him right away. I'm saying... If he's not, if he doesn't come back from his injury and he's phenomenal, or at least able to still play solid defensive minutes, see what the market is for him. Because it's he's not a guy that I think will be around this team very much longer. I don't know why. I just have this weird suspicion about it. But as for Bluger, now I'm gonna jump over. Yeah, Bluger, I expect to be around for a while. Great depth piece that defensively can play the game. Offensively, still has to grow a bit, but. It's just a matter of sticking around and him getting his minutes. I would like to think that we could get an asset for Zach Aston Reese, but I don't think that I'm not saying this season. Realistic... Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. I just I don't think that that's something that moves the needle for anybody, and I really don't think that's something that the Penguins need to consider because, yeah, he's coming off of a shoulder surgery, 
but he does he never really had an off like you mentioned he did have those four goals really quickly in his first season but that was also the 2017-18 season where we were coming off of a year where Jake Gensel came in did the same thing and then lit the world on fire. Yeah. So I, the expectations for people coming from Wilkes-Barre were already up. Exactly. And Zach Aston Reese just he got a couple really good goals early and then he regressed to what he really is yeah. and that is a a stout two-way player that's not really great in the offensive zone, doesn't really have much finish, but he can cycle the puck well. He has decent possession skills, and he does a really good job with Teddy Bluger, who brings that little bit of scoring touch, and I think that's the other thing that they need. They need somebody else on that fourth line who I think Sam Lafferty, I think, is perfect. Yeah. I think he's the prototype for what you want on the other side of that wing with those two players to allow Brandon Tanev to move up and help boost the third line because that was the worst line in, in the playoffs this year for the Penguins was the third line. Now, that is, of course, addressed with Marlowe not getting re-signed, McCann possibly being traded, and who else was on there? Hornfist is, I don't know, he's in a purgatory to me because yeah. I don't think he's somebody that is not effective, but I don't think he's somebody that is going to continue to be effective to the level that he has. I think he's going to continue to regress as the years go on. So it's going to be hard to find a spot for somebody like a Patrick Hornfist. But as far as these two go, I think their roles are pretty defined in this organization. And that is go down on the fourth line, pick up the dirty minutes. Zach Aston Reese averaged 14 minutes a game this year, which is perfect for what you want for a fourth line guy. And I think these two guys are just going to have to continue to do what they did in the regular season this year. And if they do that, the Penguins will be fine. But if they cannot continue to play well with the puck and hold on to the puck, they don't need to necessarily score goals. And and we saw that this year. Bluger had nine. That was good. Nine, yeah. ten. Perfect. That's all we need. Zach Aston Reese, if he gets past seven, I'll probably throw a parade for him. But that's not what we need him to do. So I'm not trying to harp on how this guy can't really score all that much, but I am trying to say he doesn't need to. But uh, unless you have anything else, we should probably throw it over to this week's promo for the Hockey Podcast Network. Go for it. So we're going to throw it over to a promo of another show here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I hope you guys enjoy. Woo! What is up, Devils fans? It's your boy, Neil Piano. Make sure you check out the Devil's State of Mind podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. From Taylor Hammer Pork Roll to how much we hate the Rangers, we got you covered. New episodes every Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts or on the Hockey Podcast Network website. And always remember to rock on. Woo! Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, episode 75. This is segment number three. Closing it out here on episode 75, we have the Pens poll as well as our shout-outs and call-out segment. The Pens poll this week was, which line should newly acquired Pittsburgh Penguin Kasperi Kapanen play on next season? We have discussed this a little bit on this episode already, but you guys, the fans, chimed in as well. Thank you again, as always, for voting on our weekly Pens poll. You guys resulted in third line being the winner at 39%. Good choice. Second line comes in at 33%, and the first line came in at 28%. So very close. I didn't even want to bother 
putting in fourth line because we all know he's not going to be playing on that line with Bluger and Aston Reese. But you guys said the third line. Horwat, do you think that he should be playing on the third line? I know we talked about it a little bit. Solidify what you believe is going to happen with Kasperi Kapanen. Do you think he should start on the third line? Yeah, I expect him. I would like him to start on the third line because our top six is probably filled out with I expect our first line to be Crosby, Gensel, Simone, because that's what works. That's what we know. Second line, Malkin, Rust, Zucker. There's no room for him up there. I expect more moving and changing to be done enough to the point where a third line could be someone capping someone else, I guess. I don't. Horquist, maybe. McCann, maybe. Someone. <laughs> Eukstad, maybe. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of babies in this and. I would love to see Kapanen be a third-line player for this team. Yeah, exactly. I don't think it's going to happen. I, I really don't think it's going to happen. I, it's definitely not going to start out that way. But I don't think he ends up on the third line. I think they actually put somebody else down there instead if things don't work out because I think that's how much Rutherford really wants Kapanen to be up in that top six. When they first traded for him, that was my initial reaction. There we go. There's the third line player we needed. There's somebody to help boost the third line, their speed, how they're going to play, the scoring ability. And then, of course, a couple minutes later, he comes out and said he's really going to help our top six. And all of my thoughts just went into the pisser. I agree with Penn's Twitter. I think he should probably be a third liner. It would really help the Penguins' third line. If it's Kapanen, Bugstad, you said maybe Hornfist. I'd like somebody like maybe resign McCann or somebody along the lines of that to be put down there on the third line. Again, I just don't think that there's a spot for Hornfist in this lineup. But as far as Kapanen's concerned, I think he'll probably end up playing with Sidney Crosby because I don't think you can take away Brian Rust from Evgeny Malkin. But again, at the same time, Rust has also played well with Sidney Crosby. So you could do the Gensel Rust Crosby line and do the Kapanen, Zucker, Malkin line, or however you want to put it up together. There's going to be a lot of options for Mike Sullivan, which is important because that's what I don't think he had in the playoffs. And that's one of the things I think bothered him, that he didn't have the ability to switch the lines up and be confident in it. And I think that's what the addition of Kapanen does. Penguins Nation and the tip of the iceberg nation all say third line. I tend to agree that that's where he would best fit. Not where I think he's going to be, but he would best fit there. Exactly. That'd be his best fit to start, at least. So we'll have to just wait and fee. I guess that means we should head over to our shout outs and call out segment. You know, you make me roll out. Kick my heels up and shout. Throw my hand up and shout. The fishing was awful. They were just terrible. They were ridiculous. Oh, this is just too good. What is your major malfunction? He's a horse. He is just relentless as far as how he plays. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Shoutouts and callouts this week brought to you by Manscaped.com. Visit Manscaped.com. Use promo code THPN for 20% off and free shipping. Well, Horwat, the playoffs keep rolling on here, and we are, of course, still not in it. Our picks are doing decently at this point at least i know mine is shout outs and call outs let's start off with shout outs this week who do you got very cool because i'm not too certain on a call yet i'm searching for him. my shout out this week is a fun one that's only going to apply to me i think because i'm shouting out the seattle kraken 
Here's why. They sent out a bunch of, I don't know how these people got them, but they sent out a bunch of these fan packages that had like the message in a bottle, like a jacket. Did and a you hat. get a Seattle Kraken fan package, Horwath? No, I didn't, but one of my favorite oh. Viners did. <laughs> what? Wait, your favorite what? Viner, yes. The old, Vine? What old year? school. Listen, I know I'm wearing a shirt that says 2014, but it is no longer 2014, Horwat. I know it's not, but I still follow Eric Dunn because he's got a mostly a basketball and football podcast that I listen to. He's really, really funny. I think he's one of the, I think he was one of the funniest, you know, Viners or social media people, uh, but he got one. And that's why I was really confused. I don't know how these people got it. I don't know what it is, but it's cool they're doing it. I saw a couple other names get it. I just don't remember any of them because Eric Dunn, I follow on social media. And he did this whole like debut. Saw, of yeah. it. It's really funny. He's really funny. And I'm glad that he got one. He's from Florida. And I can remember one of his old vibes was him kind of not learning what hockey was, but going to a hockey game. And it was Florida, a Panthers game. So it was just an empty arena, but he's, it's funny to see him get into this and I'm really interested to see what he does with it going forward. Cause I know he's also a Jaguars fan, Jacksonville Jaguars. And he does like weekly fan videos every week for him. It's like life of a Jaguars fan. And it's always really sad and funny. So if he's yeah, able, especially last week, let it go Leonard Fournette, but continue. Yeah. So if he's able to like, you know, do something like that with the Kraken, it'd be just growing the game too. It's really funny to like fun to see that. So, uh, shout out to the Kraken and Eric Dunn for doing something together, I guess. I don't know what the whole thing is. I don't know what those packages were. That's really interesting. I'm, I want to know more about it. But uh, that's my shout out. The Seattle Kraken for bringing in someone I didn't think would go anywhere near hockey. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't TikTok just a new version of Vine? TikTok's the trashier version of Vine. I said, I said it on mic. I, I don't have a TikTok. TikTok can screw off. I mean, what 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 are even the differences between TikTok and Vine? They're just short videos Vine that is, are sometimes funny and sometimes stupid. Vine And a lot of the people that were on Vine are now on TikTok. Yeah. So the issue is Vine didn't have funding as much as TikTok does now because Vine was kind of its own thing that um, ended up getting bought out by Twitter and Twitter said, fuck it, it's over with. We're getting rid of it. While TikTok is kind of its own thing, it's got its own funding and is the creators on it, air, huge air quotes around creators on TikTok, and that goes for Vine too, for Vine creators, I will say, but I just feel like there was more of a artistic, do your own thing on Vine, while on TikTok it is, hey, here's this thing that's popular, everyone's freaking doing it. Now, I don't have a TikTok, I don't know TikTok. I just know what I've seen on Twitter. You made this very analytical. Yeah, I did because I hate it. <laughs> you made this like I was literally just I said <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong and I'm guessing that that is correcting me but it's it, at the same time I felt like I was in 5th grade math again where I just said I did it this way and they said but you need to show your work and I said but it's the same thing and they said it's no it's not. <laughs> it's similar. I can see where people say it's similar. It's just I think TikTok is being TikTok is being managed way better. That's what it is. To break it down, TikTok is being managed way better than Vine did. The content on Vine was way better, though. That's what I'll leave it at. See, that's fair because we're content people here at the tip of the iceberg. So the fact that the content wasn't quite right, I understand that now. Okay, I will say, at, me up. at least half of this show is a Vine supporter. 
I don't know what your opinions yeah, I, are. I, I was on Vine. I made one Vine. It was just me making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and then I was like, "This is this is fucking stupid." So me and my me and a buddy of mine definitely made a couple of vines. That if they were still around on the internet, they'd be fun to find. But dear God. Anyway, moving on. Your shout moving out on, this week. My, uh, my shout out this week goes to Andre Vasilevsky, bringing it back to the hockey conversation. Of course, the goaltender of the Tampa Bay Lightning. He is. Without a doubt, to me, the top goaltender in these 2020 COVID Cup playoffs. He hasn't really received the credit like that, though. Like, a lot of people I've heard have said, oh, yeah, Vasilevsky's playing well, but that's Vasilevsky. No, let's let's not just brush off the fact that this man has a 1.91 goals allowed average, a 931 save percentage, and is 10-3 and in the playoffs already. Let's not brush it off just because, well, he's been good before. I mean, I've seen people like Katahat. I've seen people like Robin Leonard. Markstrom, Kemper, all of these guys, people are getting on their hands and knees and just being praise these guys. These goaltenders are so good in a time when you need multiple goaltenders to win. I don't even know who the backup goaltender is in Tampa Bay anymore because it doesn't matter because Andre Vasilevsky is the guy. He's always been the guy since he took over for Ben Bishop. Yeah, Louis Domingue was fine last year, but now Louis Domingue is just a, a garbage shoot player on some other team. Andre Vasilevsky is the top goaltender in the playoffs. He's going to be a top goaltender in this league for a lot of years to come. He did it after signing the big contract too. So that's a big thing. And guess what? I hope he takes them to the Stanley cup final because I don't give a shit who wins. And it probably happened already because we're recording this a little early, but it doesn't matter who wins between the Islanders and the flyers. I'm rooting for the Tampa Bay lightning. So Cheers to Andre Vasilevsky for a solid first two series. I hope he continues it, and I hope he starts getting more credit. You're definitely right about that. Um, Vasilevsky is a great goalie, yes. His backup, by the way, is Curtis McElhaney. Ah, yeah, that's right. And I think Louis Domingue is in New Jersey now. He was for a brief stint. I think he might actually be in Vancouver. I don't know that part, but... That's we'll not, have to look that up after yeah, we get off the show. Well, that's not what we're here to talk about. Uh, Vasilevsky, though, yes. You just got to hope he can hold on to it. We've seen Tampa Bay fall apart before. A couple times. But this would be their year to hold on to it. It's You would think it'd be last year, but very rarely does the top team in the league do that. And you like even this year, Boston, now out of it. So this is their year to kind of do it. They're not so much expected to do it i guess they're kind of an as much of an underdog as you can be in this playoffs is a very good team i guess because it seems like only the very good ones are left there's not like a team where it's uh what are you still doing here maybe uh, vancouver uh, dallas oh they're killing it though that's the thing <laughs> but yeah i get i get what you mean yeah so um this would be their year to do it yeah, and uh, I did look it up. Louis Domingue is on the Vancouver Canucks, so. So he's still around, huh? He still has time. Yeah, to... as a third as a third string goalie as of right now. So because uh, we saw we'll what Thatcher Demko that did. Lasts. Yeah, geez, Thatcher Demko's beginning of his career, his playoff career, I should say. And uh, one last note on Andre Vasilevsky in overtime games this postseason, four zero. Yeah, they're undefeated, inc- including a double overtime game to close out the Boston Bruins. And a five-overtime game to start out the series against Columbus where, yes, Jonas Corposalo made, what, 85 saves. But uh, 
Andre Vasilevsky also made like 60-some. Yeah. So let's not forget about that fact. Absolutely. Let's go over to call-outs and finish off this episode with that. Horan, I'll let you start out with call-outs. Um, oh, it looks like you need more time. You know, no, 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 no. I'm good. Start. I'm good. I'm just doing good. my lean back. And, man, remember what we said last week about fuck Boston? Yeah. That continues this week. Man, this should, that's just become a regular segment on the show. The Boston audience, I guess. Fans. Fans. I, Twitter. Probably just Twitter. Oh, probably <laughs> just Twitter. That I forget who it was. Just that one. That, I only saw the one. I didn't want to see if there was more. But whenever Boston lost, that one tweet that got out that got popular, the Dear Tuka Rask tweet, or whatever it was called, saying he let down his team, his management, himself, the fans. Dude, these are humans, man. Guy wanted to be with his family, and you can't fault him for that. I think we all had the same talk with the Boston faithful. That's what I was looking for earlier. We all had the same talk with the Boston faithful when he decided to leave. It was a grown-ups decision that doesn't involve anyone else except for him and his family and just saying to his team and the organization hey i'm leaving because i'm trapped in a bubble here and can't see my family even if there isn't you know a pandemic or a home issue being stuck in one place i get you know you're in a very nice place with a bunch of friends and other people that are you know involved in similar things as you do i can't activities that you do you're stuck in one little place. That gets on you after a while. And there's also already been a ton of rumors about Tuca this this whole hockey season. So as for him saying that, you know, he let down his fan base, you can feel let down by him, that's fine. But don't bash him for it. Understand what he's going through. Guy just wanted to get out and be with his family. You can't I think we like I said, we all had this talk with Boston fans when he decided to leave. That's just what he's going to do. Get over it. It's funny how sports, and not it's not just hockey, it's all sports, can turn grown-ass human beings into children. Yep. Especially when the things don't go their way. Oh, and yeah. their team doesn't win. It happens with a lot of fan bases. I'm not going to deny that it doesn't happen with Penguins fans. Because I've seen that happen. Happens pretty bad like with to, ours. Yeah, I don't like to dive into the rabbit hole with Penguins fans. So I sure as hell wasn't diving into the rabbit hole with Bruins fans. But to those Bruins fans that have said, oh, he's not coming back to the Bruins next year. We're moving on from Tuka Rask. Move on from him then. Good luck. Good luck. Because guess what? Starting goaltenders in this league, although there are a lot of them available this offseason, good luck trying to sign one because... Everybody's trying to sign one at this point. You think Yaroslav Halak can carry you to the promised land? The fuck out no. of here. The fuck yeah, out. We saw how that worked. Yeah. We saw how that worked this week. Yeah, it was fine for a game, a couple of series, a couple of games in the second round, and then guess what? Tampa Bay steamrolled the shit out of them, and you guys had to put Vladder in or Vlader, whatever his name was. But uh, we still have a call out. I still have my call out. You got me going on on the fuck Boston trend there. But uh, fuck Antoine Roussel as well, I guess I should say. I mean, how in the hell are you going to go and get 46 penalty minutes in 15 games? <laughs> that is like, some last year Nazem Kadri shit, man. He's he's clearly... No, Nazem Kadri didn't even get to 46 penalty minutes last year. Like, that's the thing. If Like, unless you include his suspension as penalty minutes, then no, he didn't get there. 
The next highest amount was 20 is 24 currently as we're recording this. And that's by Charlie McAvoy. So he's not going to get any closer at this point. But that 46 also includes three 10-minute misconducts Ooh. in the course of those 15 games. Again, how in the hell in 15 games are you going to get slapped with three 10-minute misconducts? We don't see 10-minute misconducts in the NHL very often. You went out and got whole-ass three of them. Like, what do you have to be doing that is pissing off these refs so much that they're just like, please leave. Please leave and don't come back for 10 minutes. Like, get out. Vancouver, right? I don't understand it either because it's not helping his team. Plays for Vancouver, right? Yes. I gotta start watching Canucks games, man. What is he doing? Let's start with the fact that in game one of the series against Vegas, he hugged Ryan Reeves. Yeah, what was He got a 10 for that? No, he got a 10 for something else, but that was in the midst of that entire saga. But, I mean, yes, you want to be a prick. We saw it with Brad Marchand since the beginning of time. We saw it with Matthew Kachuk, and it was working before Matthew Kachuk got injured in these playoffs. We saw it with Hornqvist whenever the Penguins won their Stanley Cups. Yes, you want to be a prick. You want to do that to draw penalties. You don't necessarily want to take penalties, especially five-minute major penalties. 10-minute misconducts, putting your team in an absolutely awful position. My call-out goes out to Antoine Roussel. I mean, the guy hasn't played awful when he's played in this playoffs. He's been fairly productive for the Vancouver Canucks. But, I mean, imagine where they would have been if he doesn't take all of these penalties. If he doesn't spend the majority of his playoffs and postseason in the box if he doesn't spend more time in the box than he does in his hotel room at this point like holy shit come on dude like 46 minutes in 15 games yeah i mean you're not wrong by asking where they would be i mean to be fair though they are still in it i mean as of recording this they're still in yeah. it. yeah as of recording this if you haven't picked up in this segment it's that fairly we're recording early. this very very early just because of uh it's my fault but oh uh, good Hopefully we gave you guys a lot to chew on this episode. We know it was a very content heavy episode as it was just the two of us spewing out our opinions, but Hey, hopefully you enjoyed them. Hopefully you took some of them and can build your own opinion on it. We appreciate everybody that always tunes in with us, but that is going to be it for this one. Don't forget to check out our sponsors at manscaped.com. Use code THPN for 20% off and free shipping. Also, Visit our sponsor at coolhockey.com slash THPN. Use code THPN again there for 30% off your next favorite hockey jersey. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcast from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate anything that you guys can do for us and that is the best thing that you can do is subscribe rate us five stars only on apple Podcasts, and leave a review as well and if you leave a funny one or if you leave an intellectual one we'll be sure to shout it out on the show we are brought to you by the hockey podcast network you can go visit those guys on twitter at hockeypodnet or at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com every team everywhere happy labor day pens fans and we'll see you next week